But I'm a troublemaker. You know, I disrupt the normal way of doing things in the outdoor industry. And the purpose behind that is that I understand the importance of including people from underrepresented communities in this work around environmental protection. Welcome to the Begin the Begin podcast. My name is Jeff Hillemeyer, and I'm on a mission to find out what makes people tick. Not just anyone, people who are making a profound impact on the world. I want to dig into their origin story and get to the root of why and how they do what they do. I hope you are as inspired coming out of these conversations as I am. Let's get into it. On this episode, I had the great pleasure to talk with Teresa Baker, founder of the Outdoor CEO Diversity Pledge and the African American Nature and Parks Experience. She was recommended by a previous podcast guest, Patagonia's Whitney Clapper, and you should check that episode out if you haven't, who described Teresa as a visionary for what life could be with a little more disrupting and dismantling of various systems of oppression. Just love that. I talked with Teresa about how she became a self-proclaimed troublemaker, where her purpose to include people of color and environmental protection came from, and so much more. And hey, while I've got you, definitely consider subscribing on whatever platform you're listening on. I have a lot of great guests lined up that, trust me, you won't want to miss. Okay, let's get into it. So some of my favorite podcast episodes are when one guest recommends another guest. And this is the case here with Teresa Baker, um, Whitney Clapper, uh, our friend from Patagonia, who I had on the podcast, said to me, she said, you've got to get Teresa on the podcast. So I, I know why that is, uh, having researched you and learned about your phenomenal work. But Teresa, will you tell everybody uh, who you are and what you do? Well, first of all, Whitney's in trouble for that recommendation. Um, but I'm a troublemaker. You know, I disrupt the normal way of doing things in the outdoor industry. Um, and the purpose behind that is that I understand the importance of including people from underrepresented communities in this work around environmental protection. So that's what I do. I try to create events that are more inclusive than the normal audience that people normally see when they see events geared around the outdoors or environmental um, issues. Wow. And where did that troublemaker aspect come from? Oh, gosh. Just growing up in Richmond, California. And, you know, I grew up, I'm, I have eight siblings. Um, so there's nine of us. I'm the only girl. So, you know, it, it was just, it, it was my pleasure to be in trouble all the time. <laughs> so, um, I, I, I don't know. My father always told me, you're not special just because you're the only girl. So he wanted me to understand the importance of speaking up for myself and, and causing as much trouble as I could. So I did. So it's at my father's invitation mm -hmm. that I'm a troublemaker. <laughs> I love that. Um, where are you in the order of the nine? I have um, 
six older, eight younger. I'm sorry, six older, two younger. Wow, six older. So typically, when I when I talk to folks um, that have started organizations that are entrepreneurial, um, they're usually the oldest. But um, being one girl with eight boys, that I think that that does it as well. Apparently, yeah, I refuse to be outdone. So. <laughs> I, you know, even even if they never challenged me at anything, so these challenges were made up mentally by me. So I, I refuse to be outdone by myself. So that's it. how it began. It. You know, just just accepting the fact that I had to raise my voice no matter what. Mm. It's a good start. Well, I, I I do want to read what Whitney said about you. Oh <laughs> God! Said, and it fits. It fits with what you just said. She said, Teresa is a visionary for what life could be with a little more disrupting and dismantling of various systems of oppression. That's pretty wow. bold. I like that. Yeah, I, I, I guess that does define me. That's awesome. Okay, so l- let's get into what you're actually doing because I, I, I jumped right in because I'm so excited about this. But uh, l- let's tell people more about um, the initiatives that you've started. Um, it's, it's It seems like you started this work toward your purpose with the African-American Nature and Parks Experience. Is that right? Which you started quite some time ago. Yes, several years ago, probably around seven, eight years. Um, after a trip I took to Yosemite, I, I would go to Yosemite monthly. You know, some people plan a year trip to Yosemite. I would go monthly. That's how big of uh, an inspiration I find in Yosemite. So after one trip, I spent a week in Yosemite in the valley, an entire week, and I didn't see one other person that looked like me. And for whatever reason, that caught my attention on this trip. It was probably the same, you know, all the other trips, but for whatever reason, it caught my attention on this trip. So after I got home, I reached out to... um, D.C., NPS in D.C., um, Department of the Interior. And I said, hey, you know, this was my experience. You guys have a problem with um, diversity in specifically Yosemite. And their response was simple. We know. Help us fix it. So that began my journey of trying to find ways to diversify outdoor spaces at that time, specifically our national parks. And that that instinct when they said, help us, and you said, great, I'll, I'll, I'll start, you know, a, a community, a movement, you know, an organization. Had you started anything before that? Was this the first Never. thing you really created? Wow. This was this was the beginning of it, you know. I I always had a voice, and I always spoke up when I saw um, issues that I felt needed to be addressed. But in regards to gathering people, this was the beginning, mm. and that's what created that experience you had, and then subsequently, you know, sort of getting challenged to help be part of the solution. That's what led you right. to find your your purpose up until then that that idea of um i think you said um the importance of including um underrepresented communities and people of color in environmental causes that was a new thing that happened to you sort of at that moment huh yeah i mean i've always been in the outdoors growing up you know 
my family was my family was part of a horse ranch. So we would go to a ranch on on the weekends and we would go camping and hiking with uh, other kids in the in my neighborhood. So being outdoors was always part of my makeup. But I guess the the part about you know organizing around a potential or an issue such as lack of diversity that Yosemite is responsible for that. Yes. <laughs> Well, that's a great place to find your calling. That's there it cool. is. That's very cool. Um, so I'm curious, you know, what what is it about um, the lack of diversity in outdoor spaces and, you know, um, environmentalism? What is it that um, that you're trying to correct by adding more diverse faces into those places? Yeah, I don't know if I'm trying to correct it. What I'm trying to do is make people aware of it. I'm trying to make people see that for outdoor organizations that do work around environmental protection, I'm trying to bring to their attention that there are communities out there that you're not tapping into, that you're not including in the conversation, and that you're certainly not including in the work around environmental protection. And right now, we need more people involved. And currently, those are people from underrepresented communities, communities of color, communities with disabilities, um, the LGBTQ community. We are not involved. We are not at the table um, around matters of environmental protection, and we need to change that. And why it's important that these organizations and agencies begin to work with communities of color is simple. The racial demographic shift that's taking place in this country, it's clear. And we are coming into being the number one demographic. So if we aren't involved, then who? And that's the why. That's the why it's important because future generations will look like me. And if we don't care now, who's going to pick up the fight in 10, 15 years? Mm. And you said when you talked to Yosemite, they, they said, yes, we know it's a problem for us. Um, when you approach other organizations, environmental activism groups, do they, do they also see that or do you have to educate them sometimes? I think people see it now for themselves. They know. Yeah. So it's not a matter of me educating them. It's a matter of me showing them how to do it. And that's where we are. People understand the importance of inclusion. Some people are just scared. They don't know how to do it. And that's why people like myself are here to help move them along this path of inclusion in the outdoors. Mm. Did any of your uh, siblings or your parents, were they involved in, in starting organizing, you know, creating organizations uh, of good? No, <laughs> I, 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 have, I have family members that are active, um, you know, politically. But as far as matters around the environment, that's me. So I'm carrying my whole family on my shoulders. You're the troublemaker <laughs> to this that's day. That's it. <laughs> but, my, but let me warn you, my 11-year-old niece... She's ready. Mm. She's ready to take it on. 
She'll overhear me in conversations talking about diversity and inclusion, and she will repeat back to me what I've said. So I've sparked an interest in a future generation. I love that so much. That's so, that's so great. Um, well, we'll have her on the show in a few years. when Please she do. Please do. <laughs> when she started. Um, you know, I, I had a chance to watch the brilliant documentary you had created um, called Here We Stand. And uh, it, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It's so, so great. One of the things that I really uh, loved about it was that um, the people that you, I, I guess it was a small group that went in to, to see the, the Redwoods and um, all um, people who really hadn't had that experience before being in nature to that effect and the impact it made on them as people. And so as I, as I think about your, you know, your, your, your big goal of um, really impacting um, environmental protection by adding, you know, more diverse um, people into that, it also has an effect, right, on the people who are then getting involved. Right. What I had hoped that film would show is that we are here. It's not about connecting. It's about reconnecting these communities. When you look at Native American communities, they are the beginning. They've always been in these spaces. So for them, they're here. They're just not being recognized, which is why I am so happy that Deb Halen was recently elected into the Department of, you know, Secretary of um, the Interior. It's amazing to now have um, a Native American woman in that position, and hopefully things will start to change in how we foster, how we um, work with the land versus working against it. And, and I'm, I'm hopeful to see what changes will become of that. But all too often people think, oh, well, you don't have a connection to the land. Of course we do. You know, you look at um, Hispanic Americans, you look at Native Americans, African Americans, we've always had a connection to the land. And that's what I hope that film would show is that the connection is there. The problem is that we are not connecting with the conventional environmental organizations and agencies and, and working together on these issues that are currently affecting um, our environment, matters like climate change. And that was the whole purpose in that film was to show that, you know, we can work together and this is why we care. Yeah. And as we know, um, climate change um, definitely affects underrepresented communities more so um, than the privileged. And so it's even more important um, that we have their voices in the cause. Right. But it's not like climate change is going to affect my community and skip over your community. Right. It's going to affect all of our communities in some, you know, in some fashion. So it falls on all of us to do what we can now. We can't wait this out. Yeah. It's not like climate change is like, oh, okay, if you do okay now, then we will reverse it. There's no reversing it. The hope is that we can slow it down, but that's going to take, again, all of us coming to the table and figuring it out. And speaking of all of us, in I think it was 2018, you started the Outdoor CEO Diversity Pledge. Right. Can you talk about that for a second? Dang, you have all the dates, don't you? <laughs> Jeez. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. After after I began the work with the National Park Service, I thought, what other entity is there that I can cause havoc? You know, where can I what's my next target? So I started looking around social media and again, not seeing myself represented with these outdoor brands. Yet we always go to these major brands to um, gear up for the outdoors. So I started reaching out to brands, making them aware of who I was and, and saying, hey, let's work together. Let's do something. And I was getting nothing. It was silence. I was like, damn, what do I have to do? So one day I was sitting around and I was like, a pledge. Let me create a pledge that these outdoor brands and retailers can sign on to committing to the work of diversifying their companies. And in the beginning, it was a slow push. I reached out to a guy named Chris Perkins, who's in his final year at Yale Environment and uh, Yale School of the Environment because he will get on me if I don't say that the correct way. Um, I reached out to Chris and I said, Chris, I have this idea. Will you help me make it happen? And without hesitation, Chris said yes. So, you know, we started reaching out to brands. And at the time, um, Joe Flannery, who was the GM at Marmot, and I reached out to him and to say, hey, you, you're in California, you're in my neighborhood, you have to be the first brand to sign on. And I went to Santa Rosa and met with Joe in person and we talked through the pledge and Marmot was the first brand to sign on. And we went to the outdoor retailer show, Chris and I in um, Denver and started walking the floor making people aware of what we were doing and eventually it caught on. So here we are 180 brands later. Wow. 180 brands, brands and outdoor organizations. Yes. That's amazing. And what are they, what are they signing on to specifically? What are they committing to? They are committing to giving me 60% of all yearly profits. I'm kidding. <laughs> you are a troublemaker. <laughs> <laughs> They are committing to doing better, period. You know, there are pillars of the pledge that state they will work on diversifying their ambassadors and athlete, athlete teams. Um, they will work to bring in more people of color for their leadership roles and their um, boards, and that they will work together and that they will create a more diverse marketing system they will show more faces of color over their social media platforms. That's the commitment. And we know it's not easy. We have about 30 steering committee members that work with us that are helping us, you know, with these companies, talk them through um, the hesitation that they have in doing the work because no one wants to get it wrong. Everyone wants to get it right. So we have people to help you know, coach them along. Mm. What an amazing, what an amazing uh, second act. I'm, I'm curious what the third act is. What, what are you, what are you going to disrupt oh. next? Oh my goodness. 
That's a seat. That's top secret. Top right secret. Now. Okay. Top secret. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, what is the best way that people can help? So people that listen to this that are uh, inspired by you, as I know they will be, what's the best way they can get involved or help out? What I want people to know is that it's not about um, uplifting communities of color. It's about uplifting communities, period. Right now, there are so many amazing kick-ass individuals that are, you know, your common everyday athletes and ambassadors that you see, you know, climbing L Cap, you know, doing these amazing outdoor feats. And I want them to know that we're not trying to remove them. We're just trying to add to that table so that there are more people in the fight. So how they can help is by encouraging their companies to not necessarily sign the pledge, but commit to the pillars of the pledge, you know, working to diversify their leadership, their boards, making sure that they're working with people from underrepresented communities. That's how we as a collective will make a difference, not by removing people, but by adding people and making sure that we are all held accountable for what we're not doing. That's wonderful. All right. So we've got that out there. Okay. So I've got a few questions I like to ask all my podcast guests at the end. Sure. Um, I think I know the answer to the first one, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What characteristic or skills or, or maybe even mindset do you have that you think has allowed you to see so much success? I believe in myself. I have confidence in who I am. But more importantly, I know and understand my purpose and that this work is not about me. It's about those who will come after me because I, I don't want to have someone point back to me and say, well, Teresa didn't do enough. So the work that I do is for my 11-year-old niece who in 30 years, you know, will be doing amazing things, I'm sure. But I want to make sure that I'm leaving a legacy, a path for people to understand that their dreams too are possible and to not take the first no as a final answer. Mm. Yeah. I mean, hopefully she's heard your story of uh, reaching out to to brands um, and, and not hearing what you wanted to hear. That perseverance is right. critical for trying to do something like you're doing. Uh, are there any inspirational quotes that you go back to that guide you? Oh my gosh. I don't, I don't know, but I know there are individuals who have inspired me along the path. Adrian Frank Peterman, um, who have traveled to what 90% of our national park units, the work that they have done, uh, the work that Dr. Carolyn Finney is doing. Um, the various affinity groups out there who are kicking ass, Unlikely Hikers, Patagonia, um, Intersectional Environmentalists, all these people I'm working alongside. No way do I do this work alone. Jose Gonzalez is um, you know, the founder of Latino Outdoors, and he's an undercover troublemaker. So he, he's not as loud as I am, but he's causing trouble too. So there are people that inspire me every day and who push me to do more. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Um, all right. What, what didn't I ask you that maybe I should have? 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know. I think you did pretty good. I, I have a question you... for you though, because we have to flip this around a little. All right. So, all right. That's so you ready? That doesn't happen very often, but let's do it. You you ready? I'm ready. Okay. What can you do mm. in your current role to help inspire organizations and companies to be more inclusive? You know, what do you have at 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 your at the ready that you can reach out and say, hey, I had this conversation with Whitney at Patagonia. I've had this conversation with Teresa. What can you do, Jeff, to help us? Oh, that's so good. Thank you for the challenge. Um, yeah, I want to do more. I, I will say I'm part of um, creating something called the A Pledge in Atlanta, which is a commitment um, for the marketing and advertising agencies of which my company Dragon Army is a part that we are committing to over the next 10 years, match the diversity of our teams to that of our city. So just at a baseline, Atlanta is uh, 38% white and our agencies are 90% white. Mm -hmm. and so just taking that high level and saying, to all the agencies in Atlanta, we've got to get this right. And it goes a little bit to what you were saying too about the advertising and marketing. You know, you, you can't right. expect to see, you know, diverse faces represented in advertising if all the advertising is done by white people. Um, so I will say I'm trying that, um, but I'm going to think I, this is such an interesting uh, conversation for me because it's an aspect of um, diversity that I've never thought of um, as, as applied to a cause like environmentalism. So um, I think my best answer is I'm going to think about it and I'm going to try okay. to, I'm going to, I'm going to come back to you if that's all right. And it was a good answer. <laughs> cool. As long as you're thinking about it, that's the, that's the start of it. Yeah. Well, you, you, you definitely have me thinking about it. Okay. My last cool. question is um, what are some of your favorite books of all time? So this could be you read it to your niece. You, it could be you read it 20 years ago. It could be read it yesterday. There are books. a couple of books you come back to that you just love. Could be fiction. Could be anything. Oh, my gosh. I'm always reading. Um, th there's a book currently that's sitting in my car, um, The Path of the Redwoods. And it talks about the fight that women specifically took on years ago to help save redwoods along Avenue of the Giants we in Weot, California. It, you, all too often you hear about men who have fought to protect these outdoor spaces. Seldom do you hear about the fight that women put on to help save these redwoods. So right now I'm learning about the women in that area and reading up on what they've accomplished. And those are some kick-ass women. Mm. So that's what I inspire, you know, to do is to leave a legacy like they left. I love that. Well, if I can, I have um, a book, Alpha Girls right now. I don't know if you've heard of it. I have not. Oh, yeah. It's um, what does it say? The women upstarts who took on Silicon Valley's male culture and made the deals of a lifetime. Um, I finished it last week. It's phenomenal. It's about four women that, you know, obviously had to work much harder than their male counterparts, especially in the early days of Silicon Valley. But right. it, it it also helped me see things that I, again, I just would never have processed. So that yeah. understanding I hope leads to empathy and, um, and so forth. So I, I, the path of the redwoods, that sounds like a really right. good one. 
I believe that's the title. So, so well, we'll put it in the show notes as well. So we'll, we'll, oh, we'll wow. straighten up. So I'll look I'm, it up. I'm going to fix. If it's not, I'm definitely going to find out the correct title and get it to you. Sounds sounds great, um, Teresa. I can't thank you enough for the work that you're doing. Um, first and foremost, it's it's really impressive. Again, I, I told you when we were chatting right before we started recording that I was researching and it was just depth after depth of of the things that I was finding out about the work you're doing. And uh, I, I'm so glad you joined me today to share your message. Thank you so much for doing this. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yep. Hopefully we'll, we'll meet up soon one day. I'll, I'll come out to California. There you go. Let's make it happen. <laughs> All right, Teresa. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Wow, you made it to the end of the podcast. I didn't think people did that anymore. Well, since I still have you, I'd love for you to do two things. First, subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. That way you'll be alerted as soon as I post my next one. And second, I'd love for you to subscribe to my email newsletter. I send out an email every week or two, and it's really where I share my more personal thoughts and ideas. Plus, I give stuff away sometimes. You can find the sign up at my blog, jeffhillemeyer.com. And I really do appreciate you listening. 